This bonus episode of the Unofficial Shopify podcast is made possible through a contribution by Rewind. Rewind is the top-rated backup app for Shopify. Think of it like macOS's time machine, but for your Shopify store. Not only is it one of the very few apps we use in my wife's Shopify store, it's literally the only app that I recommend to 100% of merchants because you will never regret having backups. So if you want to stop living dangerously and start automating your backups right now, check out rewind.io. We'll talk more about it later in the show with a special offer. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. Today, we're talking about one of our favorite topics, ways to make more money. But specifically, we're going again on Facebook ads. Because it may be that the the days when you could it was a gold rush and you could just throw money at Facebook and drive walled out ready to buy traffic to your site, those days are over. However, Facebook ads are still absolutely a worthwhile and valuable investment, especially if you put in a little bit of research, a little bit of effort to get yourself to advanced marketers level. And that's what we're going to try to do today. We are going to lay out our own proven blueprint that we've been using for in 2019 to drive high return on ad spend uh, campaigns, uh, along with, uh, we'll reveal the hot ad format right now, some specifics uh, on example ad sets, some new features coming up in Facebook. And then again, we're going to touch on campaign budget optimization. So we'll figure out uh, how that's been working and some some ways to work with it instead of against it. And joining me to do that, because I don't know a ton about it, is Kurt Bullock. Yes, another Kurt. He is an e-commerce pro. Uh, we'll get into his backstory a little bit because he's been at this a while. He is the founder of Shopify Partner Marketing Agency Produce Department. And through a strategic partnership, he moonlights as EtherCycle's client, marketing manager, wizard extraordinaire. Mr. Bullock, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Kurt. My pleasure. So when did you, I know we've talked um, in the past about it uh, over dinner, about your, your storied history in e-commerce. How did you get into it? So it was an evolution, but I think that the biggest, uh, the biggest milestone was when I started my own e-commerce store and really, uh, you know, experienced from the side of an e-commerce store owner's perspective and had to kind of make it all work. Uh, that's what, that's really when I, I think I, I figured it all out and then started after I sold my store, I started offering services, uh, you know, to others through my agency produce department. What, uh, how long ago was that? That was in, I think I was running that in 2014, uh, okay. and sold it in 20. Yeah. I think I sold it in 2014. So by e-commerce standards, that's basically a lifetime. This industry is so new. Uh, what did, <laughs> what platform was it on and what did it sell? It was Shopify and it sold essential oils. Oh, that's not the, yes. uh, I would not have guessed that you would sell essential oils, number one. And number two, that's kind of like, that is a, back then that was a, a relatively niche thing. Now it's bigger. That's not uncommon to see. Yeah, no, it was it was a great experience. I grew that thing up really quickly, and uh, yeah, I got I learned about it from my wife was really into essential oils at the time. So, okay, and did you do yeah. it together, or was was she your your consultant? We did it together. Yep. 
Cool. Um, okay, moving for what doesn't your brother have a, a Shopify store as well that got then they could feature it on Shopify? Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, ballistic fabrication. They do four by four off roading parts, lots of joints to help you, you know, build a uh, maybe like an off road vehicle with lots of travel. And they have. I was just looking at their social media. It is. Oh, I don't want to go down a car guy road. Uh, all right, well, you've got one a really cool car that we mentioned briefly on uh, an episode a few weeks back between Paul and I, the Google PageSpeed Insights episode. Uh, tell me what it is because we were just talking about it. I'm so jealous. I love this thing. I've got an old uh, 1988 uh, Porsche 911. That's when they were still air cooled. That's when they looked amazing, and uh, it's one of the few cars that managed to appreciate in value. Imagine that. Yeah, yep. I keep it in the garage uh, primarily and drive another car, but it's a lot of fun. I heard. Well, in Arizona, it's brutally hot, and I've I've heard the AC on an '80s Porsche isn't so hot. It's not good at all. <laughs> it's like a dog. Yeah, drive on with you. the windows down. Yeah, that's cool. All right, I'll I'll stay on task. We'll go back to Facebook ads. All right. Okay. So you've got. You've had some tremendous wins um, and produced like some just phenomenal uh, ROAS numbers, return on ad spend. Can you give me an example? I can think of a few. I don't know. Well, do it like without mentioning names, but do it like broad category terms. Give me, give me an example. Like an example client that we've worked with recently without naming names? Yeah, give me a, a, a win that you recently had, some tremendous ROAS numbers. Well, we had some huge ROAS numbers for uh, for one client in particular. We did, uh, I think we ended up 18x return on ad spend uh, wow. their, their first month working together. This client had never done any paid traffic, so there was uh, a lot of opportunities for us to take advantage of. On the consultant side, it is just as, just as anxiety-inducing jumping into those projects as it is on the client side, where it's like, man, I just put down all this money. Are we going to see it again? Is it going to come back? And on our side, it's like, well... We will absolutely want to hit it out of the park and have a, a tremendous win for you as well. Um, so it, until you it see is. those numbers, those positive numbers come back, it could it, it could be a little little sweaty. I, I stress about all all my campaigns. I I do like mindfulness practices to help me stay a little more you know centered through all the ups and downs of campaigns and all the things that are out of my control. It's the advantage though is like when you're that invested. Um, well, I mean, the, the results speak for themselves. But okay, yep. when you've got, you're doing your project and you have an 18x ROAS, which is utterly atypical and tremendous, um, there is, you certainly don't craft some like super original thing every time. There's going to be a framework, some best practices that you're following and revising along the way. Right now for tw- the summer of 2018, what, give away your secrets, what does that framework look like? 2019. Did I say 2018? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, 2019. All right, the year 2019. It's 2019. Yeah. So, so yeah, let's go over just real sort of high level what the funnel looks like, because um, I do use sort of a funnel based structure over and over again. Some of the particulars change, but the structure is the same. So, um, just real broadly speaking, there's a top of funnel, a middle of funnel, and a bottom of the funnel. And um, for people that what's the maybe difference? Aren't yeah, I'm super experienced with that. Top of funnel, I usually look at 
in Facebook's eyes, they have like a, a six month, uh, you know, window with these custom audiences. So I can say top of funnel are, are people that haven't been to the website or purchased. They haven't never purchased and they haven't been to the website in the last six months. So those are your cold audiences, people that are just experiencing your store for the first time. And okay, continue. So that so that's top of funnel, middle of funnel. Those are people that are engaged with you a lot of times uh, on social media or they're on your email list. Um, so that's how I typically look at middle of funnel and bottom of funnel is people that have made it your website. Maybe they've visited your homepage, pulled up a product page, added something to cart. Um, so that's bottom of funnel. That's, that's how I generally categorize those three. Okay. So top of funnel is no nothings, just total strangers. They have not engaged with the brand as far as we know. Middle of funnel, these are people who are engaging with the brand, but they have not made a purchase. And um, bottom of funnel, post-purchase, still opportunities to extend customer lifetime value. Exactly, yep. So I look at bottom of funnel as so sort of, uh, there's the the pre-purchase bottom of funnel, and then there's my, my post-purchase uh, people in there as well. So, um, so how about we talk a little about some of the specifics in each of those categories? Yeah, yeah sir, that makes sense, but... It is in no way earth-shattering. What do we got in there? Give me some uh, some examples, some specific sauce, some specific secrets. I want that secret sauce. <laughs> All right. So, so we're top of funnel. You were dealing in lookalikes. Um, so this is your customer lists. So lookalikes, just real quickly, that's when you give Facebook some data to work with. So it could be a custom audience of people that have made it to your website um, or purchased in the past. You can also upload lists of people, so email lists or customer lists. So lookalikes, we're using purchaser lookalike audiences, customer lists. Um, I like to use time on site custom audiences for those. Um, so that would be a measure of maybe the top 25 people um, by time that they spent on your site. You can use that to generate a lookalike. Um, and then recently, I've been using more value-based lookalikes. We can talk a little bit more about how you create those and product catalog-based lookalike audiences. This is already more than I knew you could do with lookalikes. Like, when we first got lookalikes, it was you produced a custom audience, which was usually just you uploaded your email list or purchasers. Right. And then it got a little fancier where it's like, well, now you could do it based off uh, pixel of it, pixel stuff. So, like, they viewed your site and we know who they are, so you could do it based off that. The one that sounds crazy to me right now is value-based. Because what we used to do, if we had a big enough list, we'd go and Shopify and be like, all right, give me the people, or we'd use Klaviyo to generate it and go, give me just the people who have made three or more purchases. I mean, that's like VIP one-tenth of 1% 1 type customer. That's who I want more of. Or just like, give me the top 1,000 purchasers sorted by value and use that as a lookalike audience now it sounds to me like this is a instead of like a workaround hack that we were doing it is built into shopify tell me about, i'm excited about this value-based lookalike yeah value-based has been working really well uh, for some of some of our ad accounts so there's a couple ways to do value-based but um what you can do so facebook is keeping track right they get all this data about uh you know who purchased, what they purchased, and what the value of that purchase was. Um, and so when you use these value-based lookalikes, uh, you just go into the Audiences tab in your Ads Manager. Um, you go to Create Audience and click Lookalike. So that is opposed to normally you would have some audience that you upload or, or, or something like that. You select and then you hit Lookalike. So you don't have anything selected. You hit Create Audience and select Lookalike, and then you can go and, and select from either a, a pixel 
Um, so that would be the pixel that's on your store or a product catalog. So if you select pixel, that will be the value-based lookalike, and Facebook will then give you a little display of what the highest purchase value was in the last 60 days and the number of transactions that happened, and then you can create a, a lookalike off of that. And so Facebook's putting, rolling all that data into the lookalike, and it can help Facebook determine uh, maybe how to find more of your best customers. They don't, you know, when you're when you're doing these sort of value-based things, another way to do is you can upload a customer list uh, and include their purchase values for each customer or their lifetime value. And Facebook says that they, in this case, don't want you to, uh, you know, take just the top X percentage of purchasers. They want the whole list from the very lowest to the very highest, so that they can train their algorithm up. Uh, on how to find more of the best purchasers and they want to see what the difference is between the low value purchasers and the high value purchasers. That's why they want it all on the list. Any sufficiently advanced technology will seem like magic. This sounds like magic to me, but does it work? It work it you know, I have I always test them against my other audiences and I'm finding these days that they work when I create really big lookalike audiences. So um, So it needs you know, data. Yeah, you know, Facebook wants, they, they call it like giving it a lot of leash where you give Facebook, you know, big rain. Um, and so instead of using a 1% or a 2% lookalike, I'm using maybe 5, 6% or even the maximum size, which is 10%. And Whoa. that has been working really well. Whereas before, some 10% lookalikes were garbage. Uh, yeah. You know, they just didn't work for me in the past. But now I'm actually using those in most of my accounts. That's wild. I did not expect that. Yeah. Um, Okay, that works for folks who have, they can upload purchasers, they can do that so they're established, they've been running a while. If I'm brand new, I haven't made a ton of sales yet, I don't have this option. What are some of my other clever lookalike options? Like maybe I got, you know, I've managed um, uh, several thousand Instagram followers or I'm, I'm getting content, I'm getting page views on my site. Exactly. So, so that's a really good point. Value base is going to work well for people that have a lot of data on that pixel. If you don't, then there's a lot of other options. You could go with, um, you know, I actually use page views uh, quite a bit these days, even for stores that have a lot of data. That's essentially making a custom audience of everybody that's visited your website, or it could be everybody that's visited a collection on your website, um, or even a specific product. But again, that, that would require a little bit more traffic to, to make one just off that product. But So you can do it based off of people that visit your website, and that works really well. Um, another one, as you mentioned, was uh, social media engagers. So um, Facebook will allow you to go in and select a Facebook page or an Instagram page, and then you can select from a few different options where essentially um, you can have one option that is all of the above, or you can say just people that commented on the post, people that liked or shared. There's, there's other sub-options, but I usually click, click the all of the above option, um, and that's working well. So I'll do maybe a 30-day engagement list or a 60-day engagement list. Um, and that's a great option, especially if, if you don't have a lot of a big customer list to start with. One of the neat things we've been doing uh, recently uh, is audience swapping. Can you tell me about audience swapping? So, uh, yes, sort of like intra-ad account audience swapping. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. No, I meant, um, so like, let's say uh, Beef Brody from Tactical Baby Gear, his audience is family's parents. And Julie's audience is families planning a vacation. So there's overlap there. So those two could go to each other and say, hey, I'll share my Facebook audience with you. You share yours with mine. And then they can 
remarket to each other's audiences because different it, product, same audience. Exactly, and, and you can do that, and you can also share lookalikes uh, too. So you can remarket to each other's audiences, just share them with each other. Uh, for instance, I've got a client uh, in sort of the everyday carry space, um, and so uh, they work with other everyday carry brands that are not competing, but they're all in the same market. And and that can be a really great way to find new people. Again, you can do the retargeting audiences like you mentioned, or you can do top of funnel lookalike audiences. So, cool. so that's pretty pretty awesome. That's a good way to start out. Uh, and that's one of the, like, one of the, the nice things I've been able to do as a way to provide for like friends who are like, hey, you know, I'm new, but I've got this really cool thing and I'm into it. I'll go, hey, you know what? Do you want me to share my Facebook audience with you? Then you can remarket to those people. Um, and they, it's just like, you know, it takes me 10 seconds, but it really provide, saves them uh, a lot of hassle and headache and, and lost money when they know, okay, this is like a legit audience to start with. So it's nice to yep. be able to be like, all right, here's an easy way for me to provide you a ton of value. Yep, absolutely. And, and if you're working with two established stores, then it's a good way to, you know, swap value, right? You can, both parties can benefit. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just like just such a great shortcut um, yep. to scale. Okay, so that's all. The crazy part is that's all top of funnel, right? Yeah, and you know, let me mention just two other top of funnel things that I, that I'm using really well. So, one, I don't know if you've heard of Daba. They they also call it broad match dynamic ads. I've those. I've yeah. seen these in the ad manager, and I'm like, I know this is something cool I want to play with, but I don't know what what it is at all. So yeah, so another top of funnel, uh, I guess, audience, or this is an ad, this is a, a a campaign type. So just like your dynamic product ads, right, where you've got a product catalog that's tied to your, let's say, your Shopify store, Daba or broad match dynamic ads, um, they pull from the product catalog as well, but instead of uh, just being shown to retargeting audiences, so people that have made it to a product page or something, these go out to cold audiences. And so Facebook, you know, most stores these days have a Facebook pixel installed. And whether you're running campaigns or not, it's tracking who's purchasing and what they're purchasing. And so Facebook can use all this data that it has from this myriad of websites and use that to help you target. So essentially, it will try and find a product from your collection that it thinks somebody is likely to purchase based on their browsing and purchasing behavior in the past, maybe on completely you know different websites that you don't own, uh, and it, it will make matches. So I'm using those successfully as well. Like maybe that's uh, 10, 20% of my top of funnel ad spend, and it, they're it's pretty wild. Um, Facebook is they find you know it works really well for stores that have a big product catalog too. And it's hard to run ads for all these different products, but Facebook goes out and finds finds customers uh, at a good good CPA in general. And what is a when you're reviewing an account or reviewing a um, or considering a client? What do you look for in terms of of CPA? What's realistic? What isn't? And I know that's like asking how much does a car cost. It like wildly varies, but give me something. Sure. So. CPA, you know, CPAs are cost of acquisition. It is it is product dependent, brand dependent, all of that stuff, right? It's dependent. But 
if if I have my choice and I'm choosing the best, and I like to give myself a little bit of room, and that might be um, products that have an average order value or stores that have an average order value, I should say, um, of maybe fifty dollars. Uh, or $60 that or above, right? If you start going below that, it can be really hard to make profit uh, on these purchases. Um, so that's what I'm looking for. It's, you know, you can go lower than that. And I actually have a client that's doing really well where their average order value is more like $35, which is, which is pretty wild. But so that's what, that's one thing that I'm looking for. Um, I'm also, you know, to make things, if I want to have sort of a guaranteed uh, or, or I guess, a better chance of success. I like to find stores that have a customer list and that have proven success that that people are already purchasing their products so that we can at least take that out of the equation, right? We know that people want the products. Now let's just let's blow that up. Let's give it more qualified traffic. Yeah, it just it is such such a gamble for uh to start trying to run ads before a store has like managed to organically consistently make sales. There's a big difference I'd imagine the the number one factor in your success rate across all stores is simply have you made have you made a thousand sales? Yes. If you have made a, if a thousand transactions have happened, you pretty much guarantee like Facebook ads will work. It's just going to be a matter of dialing it in. Yep. If you don't have that, it's like well you not all, we don't know if the Facebook ads aren't working. But moreover, we don't know if they could ever work. Like what it just may not be. A viable business in its current state like you could revise it to get there but yeah that's that's what i want to see is, uh what i think of as a validated business unless yes. it's something like from experience where you know i really believe in it or get excited about it um but even then like um it's you don't know there's there's it's like going into a cave with a flashlight right you just look around and you can only see so much without that experience yeah yeah, if you don't have that Facebook ads, you may just be essentially running tests where the outcome is, hey, we have validated that your store is not <laughs> is not going to work. It's not a valid business model or these products don't sell. So you want to know that they sell before you go in and try and because I, I think of Facebook ads as, as, you know, boosting what's already working, at least when you come in and hire an agency. As a store owner, though, starting out, it can be good to run traffic and experiment to get to know your audience and find out who purchases and, and kind of to do that groundwork. Um, but yeah. So I, I totally agree with you, though, on, on the 1,000 purchases. That's a great milestone. And even if – and like, okay, if you're just starting out, 1,000 sounds scary. But if you're at zero, you just want to get one. If you're at one, just get 10. If you're at 10, yeah. okay, can we get to 100? And suddenly, like when you break that glacier into ice cubes, it becomes much more manageable. All right, so does that cover uh, all of your, your pro tips for top of funnel? Yes. I mean, one more pro tip, I guess, is just I'm going broader than I used to in, in two ways. One, there's one way of doing uh, targeting broadly is where you essentially just specify demographics. This, again, is something that works for stores that already have high volume. There's a lot of pixel data. But if that's the case, I'm having good luck just opening it up to Facebook's algorithm and say, you find the people. I know that, let's say, they're men. Uh, if it's something right where you can specify the gender um, or I know that generally they're within this age range. But other than that, you just leave it broad. Um, so how how granular do I want to get? Like, do I only want to do it if it's really obvious? Like, OK, the site's entirely in English, so limit it to English speakers or uh, like, all right, we're selling women's underwear, so let's show it to women. 
Right. That's exactly it. If you can make some broad, pretty solid determination, go ahead and give that to Facebook and that, that will help the process. But otherwise, I try and leave it as open as I can. With age ranges, I don't go too narrow. I leave them a little bit wider. And then sometimes I'll layer on just an interest on top of that. So so the logic for Facebook would be people that are, let's just say, if we specify men, people that are men and that also like uh, you know, whatever the interest might be, like everyday carry items, um, and then leave it at that. You're just giving Facebook a few few hints into who might be a good target, but then it uses your pixel data and, and it finds people. So that's working really well for me, top of funnel uh, as well. That's not my only strategy. I use a combination of all these things, but that might take up 20, 25% of my top of funnel budget. And, uh, We've talked. We've got some really. This largely is like targeting strategies, which is uh, half the battle. The other half is going to be the ad content itself. What does a typical top of funnel ad look like, or tofu? Yeah. So, top of funnel ads. I think that what you're trying to do. So, what's working for me these days is is usually a single image ad or a carousel. Um, so that's working and I specify that as opposed to, um, maybe video, uh, video can work great if, if your product requires a little bit of explanation or something that maybe your audience hasn't seen before. But otherwise I find that it is a bit of an ask, right? To, to ask somebody to watch this video. If you're wanting to show them something very quickly, make it an image that they can absorb in, in just a glance, right? And, and learn and try and capture their interest, um, so I'm using a lot of single image ads, and I'm also no uh, shit. You're blowing my mind with counterintuitive stuff today. I, I know things <laughs> have switched around a lot. It's so year. crazy. Yeah, th- and you know, video still works. I use it more middle or bottom of funnel now. So okay. I've gotten somebody to visit my site, but now I'll, maybe I'll show them videos about how this store started. Things that start that build trust. Let um, me right. All right, so let me break down a little bit of some theory here. The top of funnel people who are not at all familiar with you, it's too much to ask for them to stop and watch a video or engage with something like that. If it's just an image, I could glance at it for a second and a half. It has entered my brain. It's going to rattle around in there, and then they can move on, and then they see it again. Maybe this time they click on it. Like it, It's just less um, – you have a much shorter moment because it's essentially two strangers meeting versus like right. middle of funnel. It's like, oh, hey, I recognize you. Like if we start – thinking it of it uh, in a relationship analogy, it, it makes sense. That's a great way to put it. Um, and, and, and that's right. So, and again, this is weird because I used to use a ton of video top of funnel. Now, um, this is just what, what seems to be working. So, so I'm using that. And then another thing that's working really well in all levels of the funnel are Instagram stories. So Instagram stories, um, I used to just use them in retargeting oftentimes um but now they're actually working really well top of funnel and middle of funnel let's take a quick break for a pop quiz hot shots true or false shopify can help you restore things you've deleted or accidentally changed false untrue it can't myth busted shopify has no native backups and black friday's coming up fast you're gonna make thousands unless something goes wrong in the event of a data disaster what do you do well You use Rewind. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store from human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone rogue. 
It's like a magic undo button for recovering from the smaller mistakes, like when you've installed an app and it messes up your theme, or bigger disasters like CSV imports gone awry. Trusted by over 20,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest plus stores like Movement and Gymshark, Rewind will save you from your next uh-oh moment. Check it out at rewind.io or search Rewind in the Shopify app store. And when you do install it, email help at rewind.io, mention the unofficial Shopify podcast, and get your first month absolutely free. That's rewind.io. Now back to the show. For someone who is not familiar, what is the difference between a post and an Instagram story? Good call. So the post is just going to show up in the Instagram news feed as you're endlessly scrolling down right? in, in Instagram. The Instagram story is when you click on uh, you know, a profile or you click on the Instagram stories uh, row at the top and it goes uh, left to right where you scroll through left to right and they're oftentimes, so they're tall, right? They take up the full real estate of your screen and you can have videos on them. People add stickers and arrows and polls and all these sorts of things um, and they it'll just automatically, you don't even need to press anything. It'll just advance automatically or you can scroll through them with your finger. They're super cool. They're super engaging, and people. They are. The argument I was using, like, I don't, I don't watch stories. I don't, I don't watch Facebook or Instagram stories. No one posts those. You know who does watch them? Only the most engaged people. Like, think about it, right? And right. on top of that, the ads. Like, the reason people who are into stories will watch stories. Um, I find I just think they're more engaging in general. I think people like because they're fleeting. They only last twenty four hours. There's some urgency to it because you're going to miss out. Um, and then you get so while people are like in this FOMO moment, you're gonna have your ads slide in in this full screen engaging way. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. And, and right, I look at it. You know, when I lo- I'm looking at Instagram stories, I kind of view that as that's where I'm gonna get kind of the latest that somebody's up to, or the behind the scenes, or it's just there's a little bit more uh, authenticity to it sometimes. It seems like because it's just like people pull out their phone really quickly and just capture what they're up to. They know it's not going to be around forever. Um, so they might, I don't know, you see different sides of, of brands and of people than you, than you might otherwise. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, um, in the story ads there, it's a bit of a dare. Like they're daring you to let loose and be fun. And that's the content that's going to perform well. Right. Um, I think the hard part about stories is producing that content. Like recently, this year, I have just utterly doubled down on video. I've become obsessed with it and spent too much money on it because it is so much fun. But there's a learning curve, and it's tough. And I've noticed, like, even though we all have a phone in our pocket with a phenomenal camera, um, people are resistant to working with messing with video because of that perceived learning curve. Truthfully, I'm not even sure. Like, I taught, uh, taught myself Final Cut Pro not long ago, and I'm not even sure how I would go about making a decent-looking um, Instagram story. Am I overthinking it? Like, what is the approach? How do you how do you knock this content out? Yeah. So, the way that I look at it is, you know, your phone in your pocket is really all that you need. And things that are working well these days. I mean, there's sort of two approaches, right? There's the super raw approach where you just pop out your phone, you know, take a picture or a video of your product or what you're looking at, uh, add some stickers to it. And, and go for it. So that's that's the one approach, and that works great. The other one is using an app like uh, like Canva. Uh, you might be familiar with. Oh, or I love Canva. Yeah, Canva's great. They've got tons of templates that you can use. Sort of just drag your image in there, and you can type right on it. So those work great. Um, 
I use an app called Over on my phone, and it requires a subscription, but they, they give you tons of templates to work with, and they're pretty stylized. So, um, And this is an so, iOS app? Yeah, and it's probably Android as well, but I'm, I'm on an iPhone, so I, I know it's iOS at least. I am also an iPhone user. Uh, yes. I will admit my recent Google Home experience is so positive. For the first time, <laughs> I briefly considered switching, and then I was like, ah, who am I kidding? All right, so I'm going to include links in the show notes to Canva because I love it. Uh, it was over? Yeah, over. O-V-R? O-V-E-R. All right, uh, and what was the other one? Oh, I was going to – I'm sorry, I hadn't mentioned it yet. I uh, really like Video Shop. If you want to edit video on your phone, have it be powerful and easy. Like Video Shop, a little steeper learning curve than iMovie, but just stunningly powerful, the kind of editing you could do on your phone. It blows me away every time. Yeah, uh, so I'll put links to all of those in the show okay. notes. Yeah, great. And and then another uh, app just to mention is Boomerang. So, oh yeah, you know, yeah, Boomerang works great for Instagram stories. You might you know do a, a Boomerang with you manipulating the product in some way, opening the box, or putting you know if it's a wearable, putting it on somebody's wrist or whatever it might be. Um, and and that works great. If you want to get serious with your your phone level Instagram stuff. The best, coolest accessory you can get is a gorilla pod. It's a tripod with like bendy arms, and that makes life so much easier because it's like, all right, I need this. I need to. Uh, Julie was using it to make a video, and she had this cool shot of her in the kitchen. And I'm like, how did you get that? She goes, oh, well, I use the gorilla pod, and I attach the phone to the microwave handle. Like, oh, that's <laughs> so. It just it like you can throw it. It can it's small enough to fit in your pocket. Um, I now own. I love these things so much. I own three gorilla pods. I've got like the two. Like a medium one, the biggest one. So I'm basically plugging Gorilla Pod because I love it. I'll put a link. I'll put my Amazon affiliate link in the show notes. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. I'll have to check that out. So, all right. So on the Instagram stories, right? You were talking about Boomerang. Here. Yeah, Boomerang works great. Um, another thing that uh, that has been working great is so there's a, like a polling feature that they recently added. So you could you could do this from you know, an organic Instagram story, but they recently added it to um, the ads manager. So now you can create a poll from an Instagram story ad. Um, And so what that looks like, if you're not familiar with the polls, oftentimes people do like yes, no buttons or, you know, which one should I pick? And you can have the two options there. Um, You know, which one's your favorite, that sort of thing. So, you know, I'm finding that if you show like, let's say uh, if it's a product, maybe two product variations, right? Um, if it's wearable, show two different ways to wear it. Or uh, if it's a candle, show two different candle scents, you know, uh, images of each of those candles. And then you can say, which one's your favorite or which one would you love to have, you know, that sort of thing. And that boosts engagement a ton. Uh, so those, and then there's a swipe up feature on those still. So people can swipe up and, and go to your target URL, your product page. You know, I see those ads with the polls and I yeah. know what they're doing. I know it's it's to drive engagement, and I still click on the poll like eighty percent of the time. <laughs> they're they're engaging. They work. Uh, it's surprising. I you know, I was surprised when I started running those ads. We cover everything on IG stories. Yeah, I mean, and I guess it's one of the take home messages is just that it doesn't. You don't need to do a lot. You can just use your phone, use an app like Boomerang, and you can use it anywhere in the funnel, really. Um, so they're very versatile. Give them a try. Let okay. me tell you right now, the trick with Boomerang is you don't move the phone. The phone stays still, and yes. then you move whatever your thing is, and it creates what they used to call a cinemagraph, 
where it's a still photo but for the moving parts. So you really want to limit the motion, and it works best if the phone doesn't move. And then, like, then you get the really cool ones. Good call. Yeah, that's right. Uh, all right. Where? So that's IG. That was your example of a, a the hot format that works uh, is effective in all three parts of the funnel. Let us move on to middle of funnel. I'm using email lists in the middle of funnel. Um, so upload your newsletter list, for example, right? That works great. Um, that's where you use your engagement custom audiences. So Instagram and Facebook engagers. Um, I'll use uh, time on site. And then interestingly, I've also been having a lot of success using those DABA ads um, or you know the broad match dynamic ads, middle of funnel, and I'll just target people that have made it to the website. So instead of a, normally you'd use like a DPA ad, right? If people have visited the product page. In this case, I'll just use a DABA ad, target any anybody that's visited my website. So maybe they've only made it to the homepage. Um, and sometimes that'll be, you know, I find myself often using like a 30 day uh, and maybe layering on a time on site on top of that, like a, a 60 or 90 day uh, time on site, like top 25% time on site audience. And that has actually been performing really well. You can't push them too hard because you. this is a retargeting ad. Uh, so you want to watch your frequencies and make sure it's not getting to, you know, I like to keep them at three or below. Um, I find if I get higher than that, there's diminishing returns and they start to burn out. So keep them fairly low budget, watch your frequency. But those have been working great and that was surprising to me. That's sort of a new thing. So, hmm. Yeah. So that's that's middle of funnel, and I'm using those in most of my ad accounts now. Middle of funnel, and that's recent in just the last uh, month or two. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. Does that cover everything in in middle of funnel? Do we have a fun name yeah. for that? Is it Mifu? Mo- <laughs> Mo- Mofo. 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 There, there we go. go. We did it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so th- that's how I look at middle of funnel. Um, Want to jump to bottom of funnel? Yeah, Bofu. There you go. Bofu. So I'm looking at that typically as um, you know either my DPA ads or my website custom audience ads. So just basic retargeting ads or dynamic product ads. Um, and what's worked really well for me when I build out both of those is thinking about combination of their behavior. So that could be whether they've, you know, went, what, did they go to the homepage? Did they pull up a product page? Did they add to cart? Did they initiate checkout? You can select any of those behaviors and use that to target. And then sequential is the next thing that you want to put in there. So that's the sequence of ads that they're going to see. So if you're just starting out, it's, it's entirely okay to just say, hey, let's just do a 30-day audience, um, people that viewed content. So that's people that looked at your product page, any product page in the last 30 days. Just kind of set it and go for last 30 days. That works great while you're starting out, but as you start to get a little bit more advanced, then you want to start adding in some sequential stuff. So maybe on day one, days one through three, let's say they'll see a carousel ad of your top selling products, excuse me, of the ones that they looked at uh, for dynamic product ads if we're staying on topic. and what I'll do is I'll change up the messaging. So then maybe on the next one, I'll feature product reviews. Um, and then, so so I'm switching it up so that they're not seeing the same thing for all 30 days, right? They're seeing something different every few days. Does that make sense? And well, and how many, um, like what would be a typical range you would use? Like this ad's good for three days, this one's for three. How many ads do I got to make? So 
I'll oftentimes do, you have to have the traffic to support it because if your audience sizes are, so let's say you do a three day range and you don't have enough people to fill up that custom audience sufficiently, Facebook won't show it, right? So that's one thing to consider. In that case, you need to broaden it out, bring it instead of one to three, try one to five or one to seven. Uh, until you start, you know, Facebook starts showing your ad. But if I have a high traffic store, I'll usually do a quick one. So one that happens just for the first three days. And then I'll maybe jump up to, um, let's say 14 days on the next one, seven or 14. And then my last one is a 30 day. So I usually do three is the short answer. Short, okay. medium and long. Yep. Oh, I'll okay. So they overlap. Yep. So what I'll do actually is I'll, I'll exclude them from each other. So the longest one, let's say the 30 day is going to exclude my 14 day audience, which also excludes the three day audience, right? Um, because it's less than 14. My, let's say my 14 day audience is going to exclude just the first one, my three day audience. So that way, days one through three, they'll see an ad, ad A. Then days four through 14, because I've excluded days one through three, they're going to see another ad. And then days 15 through 30, they're going to see another ad because I've excluded days one through 14. I'm sorry if that's, I know I'm throwing lots of ranges around here, but essentially they're going to see them one after another. Cool. And you exclude the ones that have, that have already come in the sequence as you're building these out. I get what you did. That makes sense. Okay. So that's all, that's a, essentially where it's a dynamic ad. So it's, hey, here's what you looked at combined yep. with then different um you're going to change out the text like the exactly so it's like hey here's like a review quote hey here's a special offer etc cetera, etc cetera. exactly yep okay so uh do i just run that or are there any other ads i run so I'll, I'll run that and then i'll also run just a basic retargeting ad so that could be so that's one that's not it doesn't take into account uh, it's not dynamic, right? So you're going to take a, a specific image or a specific video and you're going to say, okay, I want to show this to people that visited, um, you know, collection A I'm, and I'm going to show this other one to people that visited collection B. So I'll use those two together because interestingly, Facebook targets different people depending on which campaign type you're using. So they reach sort of two segments of different segments of people. There's definitely overlap, but I just find I get better reach and and I get more results when I use both of those in combination. Also, you don't want just want DPA ads. It's cool to actually be able to show them something, right? As opposed to them just seeing the product they looked at last time they were on your site. Show them some of your best-selling things um, to kind of get them excited and expose them to new things they may not have already seen. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, then, so that covers our, our bottom of funnel and really our effort there is like, repeat purchase, extend customer lifetime value, that sort of thing, right? Yes, that, and that's one thing I, I didn't mention that, that is, you know, working really well is I'll take, I'll do, you know, I, I just call it loyalty essentially is part of my bottom of funnel, but so I'll take my customer list and, you know, one that you and I have talked about recently is I'll take a, let's say a 90-day purchase list. So people that have purchased in the last 90 days, and I'm thinking of one store in particular, right? And I exclude... 30 days from that. So what we have left is days six, let's see, days 31 through, and I actually said 90. So in that case, it would be days 31 through 90. I think I actually did through 60 in, in this example um, that I'm thinking of. So so you take a six-day audience, exclude 30 days, right? So that way you have 31 through 60. What that means is that somebody makes a purchase, 
they're not going to see anything for the first 30 days because you excluded that audience. And then on day 31, I show them a, uh, it's called a collection ad, which has like dynamic, it, Facebook creates little videos of related products um, that kind of flash in and out. And then underneath that, there's a carousel of products that they've looked at or, or similar products. So those have been working really well. Essentially, you're getting a repeat purchase 30 days after after they, they made their initial purchase. And we've been getting seven, eight times return on ad spend on that campaign. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been working really well. And then what kind of – and you would pair that with like an IG story? So yeah, you can do an Instagram story. You can do that um, – uh, collection ad, which it's you don't see them on on Facebook uh, very often, but that's that's What's been working really well. What I was hearing, I in my head I was picturing collection ad as carousel ad as a carousel, yeah. So so collection ad, <clears throat> the you can set them up different ways, but basically it's there's a there's one there's one square let's say up top, and then there's a little carousel underneath it. So in that square up top, you could have a single image that you choose, or you can have a video, and Facebook can even create a dynamic video up there. So it'll flash different products. They kind of go in and out, and, and Facebook does it unique based on that customer. It creates a different video for every customer, basically. So that's up top. And then underneath is a little carousel ad. So they look really, really different. Uh, that's that's what I was using in that particular ad campaign where we got uh, you know seven or eight x return on ad spend. Did I explain it? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, I'd have to see it. <laughs> well, it's it's a different ad type. You don't see them that often. Uh, if you go into your ads manager, you can you can pull that up. But that's been working well. You can also just use another DPA ad, right? Dynamic product ad to show them products that they looked at but didn't purchase. That'd be sweet. Yeah. <laughs> But I think the key the key thing is just setting up that timing so that you don't want to show them an ad right after they purchase. Right. That's annoying. So make sure that there's a gap and then you can show them your next offer. So when you, when I create the – I think the confusion comes in in the way Facebook creates these audiences. It's like you can't create an audience that's they visited the site 30 to 60 days ago. It's zero right. to whatever. So then exactly. you're, ex, you're using a an exclusion audience. So I've got – Two audiences, a 30-day audience and a 60-day audience. I say I want to target the 60-day audience but exclude the 30-day audience. The net result is I am now targeting people who are there 30 to 60 days. Exactly. And so okay. just to go one – you know, so in this case, you would take a 30-day customer list, people that purchased in 30 days, people that purchased in the last 60 days, and, and set it up the way that you described it. And that's how you would set up that loyalty campaign. Makes sense to me. Um, all right, two more things I want to cover. Hit me up on Twitter if anybody doesn't, you know, wants a little bit more info on that. And I will put that in the show notes. Okay, um, cool. The two more things I want to cover. Uh, one is CBO that's coming up in September. We're all going to be forced into uh, campaign budget optimization, and then uh, you've got a special offer, a download, something for us. But first, tell me about CBO. Okay. CBO. So people are having mixed results with CBO, but uh, it is coming as far as we know in September. That's the plan. So the way that I set it up, and, and I've actually had really good results with CBO in some ad, uh, in some uh, ad accounts, 
and then I've had difficulty with it in other ad accounts. So I'm experimenting with it a lot these days to try and, and crack that nut before you know we have to use it in September. So this is the way that I've been setting it up. So let's say we're talking about a prospecting ad. So just to go really basic again, campaign budget optimization is, is different from the way that we used to set up our budgets, which is on an ad set level, right? So normally you would say, okay, I've got my lookalike audience of 1% customers and I wanna spend $50 a day on that. Um, and, that's how, and that's how that would be set up. Now Facebook is moving that budget from the ad set level, which is where you specify an audience, back up all the way to the top, which is the campaign level. And so what it looks like is you would say, okay, Facebook, I wanna spend, let's say, $100 a day, and these are the four ad sets that I want you to spend it on. Um, and Facebook's going to allocate the budget differently based on um, where it thinks it's going to get the most return, right? And that might be different from day to day. So you'll see the budget shifting from one ad set to another from day to day or week to week. So it's, it's dynamic. And so first off, does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Now, the way that I'm setting it up is I'll typically put in, let's say, four, four to six ad sets. And the ad sets will each contain the same ads. That's, that's how I like to do it. And I usually only use one or two ads in each ad set because there's a lot of variables here, right, with this campaign budget optimization. You've got all these different ad sets, and if they all have different ads in there, you don't know what's causing what. So you want to keep things uniform. Uh, among all the different ad sets in terms of the ad creative you're using. So I'm using two different ads in four different ad sets and I'll run those um, you know, for a few days. You need to be patient with campaign budget optimization because Facebook's got all these variables. They've got, it's trying to figure out which audience to target and which ad in each of those audiences should be using. It can take a few days for it to actually start to catch on and, and fire uh, off with some purchases. So I try and let them run at least seven days if possible. And I eliminate ad sets as I see them performing poorly. If you, if you can tell which one's doing worse than the others, then you can eliminate those so that the end result is that you have less than four to six. Maybe you have two different ad sets that are your best performers. Does that make sense so far? No, but that's why okay. you handle this stuff and not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so basically, you know, all I'm doing here is the difference is, is where you set the budget. That's the first thing to think about. And then the rest is pretty similar. We're essentially just kill off ad sets that aren't working well as you run them, right? You don't want to run one that, that looks like it's performing really poorly and keep it going. Um, so turn that off. So starve um, the losers, feed the winners. I'm, exactly. Okay. Yep. Exactly. And, and so that's at, at, at the, its most basic level what you're doing. Um, tips for making it work a little bit better is that Facebook lets you specify a minimum and a maximum budget for each of those ad sets. So you can say, let's say that you don't do that. You run this 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 campaign budget optimization campaign, and you see that Facebook's spending a whole bunch on one ad set and the other three look like, you know, they've done purchases with an acceptable CPA. They look like they'd be good, but it, Facebook's not giving any money to those. And you, so what you could do is say, you can force a tan and say, hey, for ad set A, I want you to spend no less 
than $50 and no more than $100, right? So that, that ups the complexity a little bit if you have to do that on each of them. But that is something that I found that works well. And the way that I think about that is I'm trying to make sure that each of my ad sets gets at least one purchase per day, right? Facebook needs to see purchases coming through in order for it to be able to, to target and know who's, who's buying, right, in order for it to work effectively. So that's, how, that's sort of how I'm thinking about the way I set my budget and my minimums and maximums. My minimum is what is my, what is, if my CPA is 30 bucks, right, that's what it normally costs me to get a purchase, I'm going to set my minimum to 30 bucks so that hopefully I can get at least one purchase in each of those ad sets a day. Are you following me so far? I lost it again. That's okay. Do you have question, questions that maybe could help clarify for the listeners? Well, I'll tell you, so with campaign budget optimization, we, we're talking about is like, the, okay, this thing becomes mandatory in September, meaning yeah. it has been available. What has your experience with, because I could start using it right now, what has your experience with campaign budget optimization been like? And then my second question is, all right, if it becomes mandatory, if I'm, my ads are running, I'm not using it, and I do nothing, what happens come September? Great questions. Okay, so first, my I'll address the second one first because it's quick. That's the easy one. So this, yeah, that's the easy one. So if you don't do anything, then Facebook's going to automatically change your campaigns to CBO. So it will take the total of all the active running ad sets in in a campaign, and it will put that budget at the campaign level. And instead of right, and then it, Facebook's going to decide where to put that money. So that's what will happen: is everything will automatically change to CBO. Okay. I mean, the, the amount spent will be the same, but how it's allocated will be differently. Okay. Will be and different. yeah. Base. I mean, from what I've heard, like a lot of what you're saying is, hey, the thing in 2019 is trust the AI more than ever. Campaign budget optimization sounds like, all right, we're throw some more AI at it. It seems like it might be a good thing for all the rabble rousing online. You know, so it has the potential to be awesome. I've had so my experience has been this. At first, I couldn't get it to work, and I dismissed it. Then I heard it was going to be mandatory, so I started experimenting with it a lot, and I moved a number of my ad accounts over to CBO, where I started using that uh, for all my prospecting, let's say. And when I first started doing that, I had great results. For instance, top of funnel in, in one ad account I'm thinking of, it was 3x uh, for the last few years. Uh, I moved it to CBO and it jumped up to 5x immediately, but then it died down very quickly, uh, down to lower than 3x. And what I have found is that for whatever reason, CBO needs to be maintained a little bit more in terms of creative. So you need to feed it creative a little bit more frequently than you may have had to in the past. Otherwise, they seem to burn out relatively quickly. That's been my experience. Um, so they can work very well. And, uh, you know, I think that the thing to think about is that right now Facebook is learning from all of us that are trying CBO out. They know that, you know, they want things to work well. And so they're constantly tuning the way that this all works. They're getting feedback from us and trying to make it work better. So that hopefully it's improving month after month, you know, the way that it works. So just because you maybe have tried it, uh, earlier this year and it didn't work well, Try it again because the way that it works is changing. Facebook's constantly trying to improve it. Okay. Well, that sounds good and positive. Uh, yep. For our final item of the day is do you have a download, a freebie, something for us? I do. If you just visit uh, my website, which we can put in the show notes, 
Um, I do have a download that basically talks about which audiences uh, I'm using. So it's a, a, it talks about the things that we've discussed on this. I talk about what I use top of funnel, middle of funnel, and bottom of funnel. Cool. Uh, yeah, I've got in the show notes, uh, first link is to uh, produce department. Is there a page I should go to? That's it. It'll it'll pop up right as little toaster pop up on, on the homepage. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, this is a nice landing page. You're right. Uh, very good. And uh, if people want to get in touch with you, learn more about you, what should they do? Where should they go? You can hit me up on, on Twitter, which is just uh, my name, K-U-R-T-B-U-L-L-O-C-K, or uh, visit my, my website, and you can contact me that way. Uh and to get to the show notes, if you just want a listener note, if you want to swipe up, it's tap or swipe up, depending on what app you're in, uh, on the episode art that will reveal the show notes. And we've got everything we mentioned I have linked to. Um, so the if you had to give our, our closing bit, if someone had to take away a single actionable item from this, let's say they're running Facebook ads, they do okay, what is the one thing you'd want to see them do? Try bigger, broader audiences. That's that's what's working for me right now. I used to use smaller audiences, lots of 1% lookalikes, things like that. Now I'm using the max size in most of my ad accounts. I'll use 10%. So experiment. If you're using 1% right now, I would try moving up to 2%. If you're using 2%, go higher, right? So just try broader audiences and experiment with that because Facebook's really improving the way that their algorithm works. The AI is pretty amazing. Good advice and easy to do. Kurt Bullock, thank you very much. Thank you, Kurt. This episode was made possible by our friends at Rewind. Automated backups with Rewind mean one less thing for you to worry about and spend time on. Most mistakes happen when stores are being updated, customized, or otherwise worked on. Feel confident when you invite consultants or new hires to work on your store and protect your reputation. Or maybe you're a Shopify partner like me. Why not join leading Shopify agencies like BVXL, Blue Switch, Milk Bottle Labs, and more in the Rewind Agency Partner Program? Learn more at rewind.io. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.